The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the available lines ahead of the college basketball tournament on the DraftKings Sportsbook app. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsibility. Responsible gaming resources. Be it superstition or just an apparition, you suddenly appear inside my heart. Does this strange romance stand the ghost of a chance? Welcome to the third episode of the From the Bleachers podcast. I'm your host, Seamus Clancy, coming at you from the fantastic. Bleeding Green Nation Radio Network. I'm recording this on Monday afternoon after last night's complete debacle in Dallas. Embarrassing. I'm embarrassed. The team should be embarrassed. They should be embarrassed for the city that they had to watch that game and how much Eagles fans are currently in dire spirits. I'm embarrassed. Everyone is embarrassed. And there's no single entity that's responsible for that loss. It's not just Doug Peterson's play calling. It's not just Nelson Aguilar alligator arming a pass, a guaranteed touchdown in the fourth quarter. It's not just Carson Wentz's lack of pocket presence where he's getting sniped on slot cube cornerback blitzes. It's not just the lack of depth at linebacker where Zeke is running all over them. Kellen Moore and the Cowboys are trashing them with 21 personnel. It's not just because of that. It's not because all their cornerbacks are hurt. It's just a fundamental issue with this team that goes beyond just one thing. Now, before the season, again, I'm obviously this overly optimistic homer when it comes to the Philadelphia Eagles. I thought the Eagles might have had the deepest roster in the NFL. Pro Football Focus, for all their warts, ranked the Eagles as the best receiving core in the NFL, which seems laughable in hindsight. And there's guys like Robert Mays, who is my favorite national NFL writer. Works for the Ringer. Great guy. Not that I know him personally. Love his podcast. Love his writing. Before this season, he said the Eagles had the deepest roster in the NFL, and I had to automatically agree with him. That clearly is not the case. They are not the deep roster they were in 2017. They had so many injuries that season, and they overcame that and sustained that and turned it into a Super Bowl run because of that depth. The depth just is not there this year. If your entire offense is predicated on having a speed threat who is 32 years old, injury-prone, currently at with an abdominal injury that should have been resolved already and hasn't been on the team the last five years, there's a fundamental issue with your offensive system. It's just not working. Every year since, you know what, 2017, Doug has an aging speed threat on his roster. I don't know if that's just Harry Roseman's construction in the roster, Doug telling Howie what kind of players he needs, but there has been a lone speedster on the roster each of the last three years. Torrey Smith in 2017, Mike Wallace in 2018, and this season, Deshaun Jackson, who I, close, I hold him close to my heart, 
but clearly has not been on the field this season. And Torrey Smith was healthy in 2017, and what happened? The Eagles' offense was dynamic, one of the best in the league, and it carried them to a Super Bowl run. In 2018, Mike Wallace gets hurt. The offense becomes anemic. Lack of spacing, everyone is suffocated into the middle of the field. 2019, they, yeah, they played Washington in week one, but in the second half, the offense exploded with Deshaun. Go routes on the field, Wentz bombing it out, airing it out, looking like 2017 all over again. Deshaun goes out, we're back to 2018. Everyone's crowded together. There's no spacing. It looks like the Sixers when they used to play three centers together at once. It just not doesn't work. It just doesn't work. And I, I, it blows my mind that we can have only one fast guy on the roster. I, why not just – he doesn't even have to be a guy in the second round. Just take a flyer on someone who's fast. I'm not saying you have to turn into the Al Davis era Raiders where you're just drafting a guy because he runs a 4-3-8 or something like that. But you have to go beyond in the scouting process just looking at college production. You need athletes out there. This team is devoid of speed on both sides of the ball. It's appalling. Razul Douglas and Sidney Jones look like they're running in slow motion. The offense is just boring. It's not fun to watch. How fun was 2017 with whether it's Carson Wentz in there or Nick Foles in there? We're so fun to watch. And there is nothing fun about this Eagles season. Nothing. Even in that dominating 25-point win over the Jets, the offense was terrible. Terrible. I'm embarrassed. I'm embarrassed. I don't want to keep taking shots at him because, you know, he's become a whipping boy in Philadelphia. He's become even a meme, really, that's transcended nationally. Nelson Aguilar, oh, man, I cannot wait till his days in Philadelphia are over. You know, he had some issues earlier in his career, which I was very sympathetic to. Looked like just struggling mentally out there. Met with a sports psychologist. Things seemed to go well for him in 2017. Was a Super Bowl hero. Was very clutch on the stretch in the fourth quarter of that Super Bowl win. Never take that away from him. I thank him for it. But this season is really just a nail in the coffin in his tenure in Philadelphia. So the Eagles blow out Washington in week one with a dominating offensive performance in the second half. And he complains about his lack of touches. Well, Deshaun Jackson is out for the rest of the season since then. And Alshon Jeffrey missed a game or two. And the offense was there for his taking. If he wanted to be this big play receiver, this guy who demanded the catches that he demanded through the media, if he's a guy who wants to have a huge paycheck this offseason when he's a free agent, an unrestricted free agent, he certainly won't be back in Philadelphia wherever he may be. He is doing himself zero favors, whether it's on the field or off the field, in terms of securing his next bag. And I'm not, I don't hope he makes zero dollars. I hope he can make as much money as he wants, as much money as he deserves. But that's certainly not going to happen in Philadelphia. You know, he threw Wentz kind of on the, under the bus last night where he alligator on that, you know, pass in the fourth quarter. I get it. There's about 12 or so minutes left. The Eagles are down by 20. Three scores. Even if Aguilar catches that and runs in the end zone, the Eagles probably don't win. But it just sums up the state of the season where... The effort is just not there. And I'm not just throwing that on Aguilar. It seems all around. Lane Johnson and Malcolm Jenkins, two guys you never have to worry about, have never worried about once, except for Lane Johnson when he's on roids and that. Whenever they were on the field, you never worried about either of those guys. And they both played the worst games I've ever seen them play as a pro. I've never really even seen them play bad games or slightly below average games. Those guys week in, week out, are above average. Lane Johnson has dominated Demarcus Lawrence in his career. Dominated him. He never. Demarcus Lawrence hadn't had sack against the Eagles until last night, Sunday night. Malcolm Jenkins just 
ghost. You never say that about Malcolm, whether he's being a vocal leader or just all over the field. It just wasn't there. And I'm, I'm wondering, is this is this it for this Eagles roster? I'm not just talking about this season, this iteration of Eagles football. Is it kind of over? And I'm not overreacting to one game, even when the Eagles have won this year. And you know, there's been seeds of doubt planted all throughout the year. The roster just isn't there in terms of depth. They're not shaking off injuries as well as they did two years ago. The offensive play calling is inept. And I'm wondering what they're going to do before the deadline. They're certainly not going to sell. There's no way this franchise would ever be in the position of selling. I don't think they should sell. But can they be buyers, really? Can you look at that game last night? The last two weeks, the Eagles went into week six against Minnesota at three and two. They got humiliated in Minnesota. They went down to Dallas. Hey, they could have rebounded. They could have beat their biggest rival and took the lead in their division. And they didn't. And they got humiliated and embarrassed. I'm embarrassed. Can you really look at this team over the last two weeks and say, we need to be buying. We need to give up a second round pick from Robbie Anderson. We need to give up a third round pick for Chris Harris. How can you do those things looking at this roster? Yeah, and I know the complaints, hey, they don't draft well, so just trade picks away. I can understand why you're saying that, but picks are still picks. Don't just give them away from an aging veteran on a sort of unrestricted free agent after the season just because you hate that he drafts, meaning how he drafts mediocre mid-round cornerbacks and defensive backs. Yeah, the guys he's picked kind of suck. But at a certain point, you hope that things regress a little bit to the mean. There's positive regression. He just drafts some guys who are pretty good. It's, again, one of those things where the Eagles' front office structure kind of protects Howie Roseman. Again, I'm a big Howie guy. But the way the offense is, offense, the front office has been set up with Joe Douglas as head of scouting. You don't know, well, well, is this guy a Joe Douglas pick? Is this guy a Howie pick? Who is really having the final say? Who is in charge in the war room on draft day? And Howie does a little bit of a George Costanza move where he's kind of deflecting all the blame away from him, whether it's saying, hey, during the Andy Reid hour when I was here, Andy was making the bad moves. I was making the good moves. When Chip was here, hey, I was handling all the contracts and Chip was the one out there making the bad moves. And then when Joe Douglas is here, Howie's like, hey, I'm the guy who's making all these smart, savvy trades and free agent acquisitions. The draft is all on Joe Douglas. Well, Howie, you've been the GM on and off for the past decade. At a certain point, the drafting and the lack thereof in terms of acquiring young, cheap, good talent, it just isn't there. They've drafted one Pro Bowl player since 2014. Yeah, obviously the Pro Bowl is such a meaningless award quote-unquote award but just telling that player is recognized as a very good player the eagles have drafted one very good player over the last handful of years Derek barnett's okay i like Derek barnett he's not a stud slightly above average starter i'll take it but he doesn't set the world on fire they need young talent they need young talent they cannot be trading away a first round of this year they're trading away for jalen ramsey a guy who i was in favor of trading for you know over the last two weeks I'd still be okay with that because Jalen Mills turns 25 later this month. He'll be on his way to the Hall of Fame career. He'll have him his entire prime. That's fine. But I'm not going to shoot a first rounder right now for Patrick Peterson, a guy who's 30 years old. That's insane. I would never do that right now. They need cheap, young talent. They need sort of, I don't remember, like over the last handful of years, the Saints really infused those Drew Brees teams with young talent, Alvin Kamara, Guys on defense, they really beefed up their drafting since 2016, 2017, where they kind of fell into a bit of a lull 
after the 2009 Super Bowl win where they're having a bunch of 7-9, and 8-8, 9-7 seasons despite having this pretty good head coach, maybe even great head coach in Sean Payton. I'll say he's great. And a Hall of Fame quarterback who he has the most passing yards ever, I believe. But they looked at themselves in the mirror and they said, hey, we need to draft better. And they got lucky. I don't know if they got better at scouting or they hit some luck. But they gave Drew Brees, who isn't even – he's hurt right now. And the team is withstanding the injury to one of the best quarterbacks of all time because they've drafted so well. They have young talent to step up in his absence. The Eagles don't. If Carson Wentz was hurt right now and that team was starting Josh McCown, they'd be 0-7. And yeah, Wentz hasn't been unbelievable this year, but I don't care about the stats. I don't care about anything. His stats aren't terrible. They're okay. If you watch those games, you cannot tell me he is the reason this team is losing. It's insane to me. Crazy. Crazy. And all these comments in the media, it just, it's not good. It's not good. Maybe that dissent was always there. And, you know, during 2017, no one complained because, as everyone knows, winning cures everything. Winning cures everything. And the Eagles have not been winning and that's when dissent is breed. These guys have been around each other for several years. In a certain light, familiarity brings, breeds contempt. And I think we're getting to that point where guys are kind of sick of one another. Things are stale. They need new blood, whether that be young, cheap town again, or new people on the coaching staff. I think Mike Rowe has to go. Mike Rowe, you're gone. Mike Go, as Brandon Lee Gowan would say, our fearless leader. They need an outside perspective on this offense. They just need to change things up because they cannot run back this formula in 2019 because that's what when that happens they're going to go 5 and 11 or 6 and 10 and it's going to be an embarrassment of a level the Eagles haven't faced since the last chip year. I can't tolerate it. It shouldn't be tolerated. What a season with such promise that Deshaun Jackson performance in week 1 that was the height of the season. It was great. It was a great moment but everything has been downhill since then. It's a shame. I don't know what the season goes. I'm sure they'll win in Buffalo because everyone's written the team off. So what does the Philadelphia Eagles franchise do when everyone is just about to step out of the door of their home of optimism? The Eagles pull them slowly back in. You know, the Eagles are going to go up there. Doug Peterson against Sean, Mc, Sean McDermott, another Andy Reid disciple. And they're going to win by nine or ten points. Everyone's saying, oh, a big home win against a, you know, a team. What are they, five and one? Six and one, five and two. They're overachieving, but I'm thinking this Eagles team sucks. They're not going to win. So that exactly means they're going to win this week and they're going to drag this season out. It's going to be, they're still going to be in the hunt in week 16. They're going to face off Dallas Cowboys at home and they're going to get humiliated and it's going to be crushing. And I wish they would just crush me now, get it over with instead of having to wait this all out. Classic Philadelphia Eagles. Now, could they still make a playoff run? Sure. They could still go 5-1 in the division. They beat Dallas. They beat take care of the Giants twice and win in Washington the last week of the season. That's not impossible. And if they go 5-1, and one, they could still maybe end up at 10-6 and six and win the division. Who knows? That Carson Wentz, things, he gets it together. Doug goes back 2017 form. I know these are huge ass given where the team is right now. It's not impossible for them to win the division. It's not impossible for them to go on a playoff run. I just don't feel it right now. After these last two weeks, I don't know how you can feel it. We're in a rough spot, boys. Boys and girls. Everyone. We're in a rough spot. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Life moves pretty fast. Are you drinking water that can keep up? Smartwater Alkaline has everything you need to stay hydrated, no matter where your day takes you. 
Whether you're pitching a tent or your next big idea, Smart Water Alkaline can help you perform your best. It delivers a pure, crisp taste that makes it the perfect chaser after a big workout. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smart Water Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. I will say that, you know, the last two podcasts, I really talked some smack on two different fan bases. The Vikings fan base, all that shade and fraud stemming from 38 to 7 back in January 21st, 2018. And the Dallas Cowboys for all their fraudulent friends across the country and specifically their Fugazi fans in the Philadelphia area. But there is one fan base in the entire NFL that has my respect, that I admire that I sympathize and empathize with and who I could see myself enjoying a nice cold bev with. And that's the Bills Mafia, Buffalo Bills fans. They are psychotic. They are deranged. They are diseased. Like how, you know, Jack Fritz always says, and I include myself in this, I'm a diseased Eagles fan. Diseased Eagles fan. Sickening stuff. Bills fans, there are diseased Bills fans. There are a lot of diseased Bills fans. They are insane. They're deranged. They go absolutely Nuts in the parking lot, throwing each other's, throwing people through tables, beer bongs, all this crazy stuff. It reminds me of even an even more hyped up version of what goes on in the Jetro lot. It, it supersedes it. I'm willing to admit that. Bill's tailgates pop off. And Eagles are really aren't like that sometimes for the playoff tailgates, I feel like, in my experience over the last half dozen years. Bill's fans are crazy. And I love that and respect it. They have just as much heartbreak as the Eagles, if not more. Now, the Eagles won the Super Bowl, and that cures some of those woes and pains and cuts that the franchise has inflicted on me and Eagles fans at large over the last, you know, 60 years or so. I think back to as when I was a kid. uh, In 2001, the Eagles made the 2001 NFC Championship game. I was, what, seven seven going on eight years old. So... When I was seven years old, eight years old, and nine years old, they lost an NFC Championship game every year. And we thought that was the worst thing of all time. And it was such a crucial age in my fandom where that's when I was really just getting into this team and really immersing myself into Philadelphia Eagles culture and fandom. And I got hit with all of these terrible, terrible moments and heartbreak that have just emotionally scarred me to this day. That I still haven't really gotten over. Maybe that makes me a weirdo. I'm, I am a huge weirdo. I don't really care. But Bills fans, imagine someone 10 years older from me, older than me from the Buffalo area. In the early 90s, they didn't lose three straight NFC championship games or AFC in their case. That didn't happen to them. They lost four straight Super Bowls. Four straight. Imagine losing the first one. Yeah, that sucks. You know, let's rebound. We'll try to get them next year. That loss sucked heartbreaking the next year you make the super bowl you got to be thinking to yourself we're doing it last year was a fluke we're back baby we're back we're winning this they lose again now the third year the third year i think i don't know which year is the roughest i'm i kind of think the third year maybe because it just happened twice you're thinking there is absolutely no way this bills team loses again you know quoting meatloaf two out of three ain't bad they lose again the third straight year Unbelievable. I don't even know credit to that roster for bouncing back each year. A lot of teams can't bounce back from losing one Super Bowl. Look at the LA Rams this year. Look at the Eagles in 2005. That's so hard to get up that much again and make it back to back is a tremendous achievement. 
And to do that after losing two straight and make it back a third time, incredible. But what did it do? They go and lose for a third straight time. Now imagine being a Bills fan going into that fourth Super Bowl. The team has lost three straight Super Bowls. I think for the third one, I'd be super, super confident. I'm just thinking there's no way they lose three in a row. And that's probably the most crushing of them. If I was a Bills fan, my, my age, I'm 25 years old, going into that fourth Super Bowl, I would think there's no way I could. they were winning that game. It just felt like, you know, Sisyphus pushing a rock up a hill. There was absolutely no way they were going to win. And obviously, they did not win. The Buffalo Bills have yet to win the Super Bowl. And their most famous player of all time is one of the most infamous criminals in United States history. That's what it's like being a Bills fan. Could you imagine if O.J. Simpson was an Eagle? And everything bad people say about Eagles fans, those are the Bills fans. And they have to deal with O.J. Simpson being the former figurehead of their franchise. Yeah, they have Jim Kelly and they had a great, lot of great players in the early 90s and that kind of takes some of the sting away. But O.J. Simpson played for your franchise. That's a lot worse than hearing jokes about snowballs and Santa Claus. I empathize with Bills fans. It's rough. Being a fan of a crappy franchise is hard. And I think today makes us should make us appreciate how exciting 2017 was. Maybe it was an anomaly. Maybe this team, maybe these coaching staff, this quarterback, this front office isn't as dominant or as amazing as we thought they were. But we have that year, at least, right? The Bills don't have that. We'll have that over them. And at the end of the day, sometimes all you can say to yourself is, no matter what happened, whether it's on the field, off the field, in your personal life, whatever, when you're down in the dumps, sometimes you just have to look at yourself in the mirror and say, the Eagles won the Super Bowl. And that's what I think about this week, because no matter how crappy this team is making me feel, whether you're getting over it, going to work on Monday morning, hating yourself after you wake up after watching that game and that embarrassment all night, you can just look at yourself in the mirror and say, hey, the Eagles won the Super Bowl. It's not too bad, right? All right, guys and girls, I'm signing off. Shameless Clancy. Go Birds. Hopefully next time we're talking, I'm all the way back on the bandwagon. Eagles tying up at 4-4. For the record, going back to the length to play the Chicago Bears. Thanks, guys.